I just thought next time we go to a convention, I have to make myself a bobbin threadbare costume and wear a button that says "Ask me about Fire Emblem." <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Downloadable Concept Podcast. Today's Foxley is sponsored by Bob and Threadbear's Discount Drafts. Ah, uh, I forgot. I did have to come up with something to say in my intro, didn't I? Today's Jeb Ranch is sponsored by Cardboard Computer's Telephone Company. If you'd like to examine the darkness that lives beneath all of us, press 1. And I'm Talon Lee, sponsored by the Canadian Cleanup Pack for Alien Isolation. This isn't just a poutine assignment. So I can, like, do another intro later on and you cut it in, right? No. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> hey, Fox, what you been playing? Uh, another week of playing very little for me. I'm still working on my game. Just about done. I got ending CGs to draw and that'll be it. Um, so I guess my answer to what you've been playing is 4th Ed Dungeons and Dragons, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> also, more Pokemon Swap. Shuffle, dear. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not into the cool, casual game crowd. The Pokemon sh- Shuffle never ends. Actually, I think it might have hit I the end. I have my 3DS right here. <laughs> like, I, I finished Mega Mewtwo, and it doesn't seem to be giving me any more stages, so I don't know if it is the end for now. But. For oh, now. did you do all the X stages and everything? Yeah. Oh. I haven't caught everything. I've finished all the stages, though. Well, there's your next goal. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, fucking Zoroark is an ass. I hate it. Does it impersonate another type and doesn't tell you? No, it just has this horrible blocking move that it basically requires you to use one of the power-ups. Uh, I'm finding it that way with Ivysaur. Yeah, the the fully evolved versions of all the starters are a pain in the ass. Zoroark is like, it starts the match by putting bricks down the two center columns so you can't make any horizontal matches because there's no three in a row. Um, and then it for a few turns, it turns things into Zorua, and then pretty much routinely, one turn after you break through the bricks, they come back. So you have one turn to make unobstructed matches. <laughs> Just finishing the stage is hard enough, let alone getting enough turns to have a decent catch rate on the fucker. Uh, might have actually been Zor- the Zorua that, uh, when I was playing, uh, I cleared the board in one move, and it barely was enough to move <laughs> the catch rate. Yeah, there's some where they're like, ah, you pretty much have to win this, win one move based on luck to have any chance of getting this fucker. Well, I cleared it one, I think it was Zarwa, and I cleared it in one move, and it was still like 23%. <laughs> Though, that said, I find the catch rates to be kind of interesting. Like, the number of things I've caught on like 14 or 20% chances compared to the number of things I've missed on your sort of 60% chance. I mean, you know, statistics probably bear out if you have a big enough sta- sample size, <laughs> but I kind of wonder if they're not totally making it up. Or if it's just that I'm used to statistics that are totally made up, and this is what actual randomness with an honest percentage chance feels like. Well, you do play Fire Emblem, isn't that the kind of thing they do? <laughs> uh, there's very little randomization in Fire Emblem. Um, oh. You, Your hit-miss chance has a randomization to it, and your crit chance has a randomization to it, but mm-hmm. that's it. Uh, your damage is completely fixed, your number of attacks is completely fixed. It's really interesting in that regard. I, part of the reason I love the series is because you see the numbers constantly. You're like, okay, I will take this much damage if I attack this guy. If I expose myself to that guy on the next turn, they will almost definitely hit me for exactly that much damage. So I'm fucked. Oh, yeah. Hey, Talon, what have you been playing? I just realized <laughs> I've played a ton of stuff this week. Um, I played... I finally got the secret world working, which 
getting the secret world to work is the first boss of that game. And once you mm-hmm. have... I remember that from the beta. <laughs> yeah, the difficulty curve kind of levels out after that point. Uh, so mostly I've been running around in a surprisingly well-handled New England town. Is it Maine? It's Kingsmouth, and it's kind of Maine-y. How do you tell oh, if it's Maine? Maine? Do it, they spell it... it out in clams? <laughs> um, no, this... <laughs> Sorry, I. If it wasn't obvious enough, I don't know shit about New England except class. Is, 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 it, is it, it? Does it have elements of, of horror and has a, a supernatural undertheme to it? Well, this is what I was going to joke. <laughs> is the secret world? You, you've, you've kind of anticipated the joke before I can make it. In the <laughs> in this setting, it's they, they already have this pastiche of all myths are true supernatural horror for the whole world. And in Kingsmouth, this starting area, there is an element of Lovecraftian horror. But there's also a lot of Stephen King-style horror. And I thought, oh, you know, it's a New England town, they chance, and they're doing zombies. That's probably not meant to be very Stephen King-y, but anyway. And then you find King's that... King's mouth? Yeah, and Come then, on. <laughs> then you find that there's a lighthouse where there's a slightly deranged book author killing zombies with a shotgun and writing books... And sing them out to get, you know, about... I always change the name of the town, but it's always King's Mouth. It's always King's Mouth. Jesus. I also got to play for class a bunch of board games. We designed a board game. Um, this class is just disgusting. Everybody who hates good. talent for his union class, raise your hand. It's really cool. Um, but also, I played the opening ten minutes of Ori in the Blind Forest today. Mm-hmm. This is that amazing looking thing you posted on Twitter, isn't it? It's so This is the thing I've been talking about for months. Nobody's listened to me. I'm so sorry, Jeb. (laughs) It's a a Pixar film in that it's stylized. It looks gorgeous. And the opening ten minutes will crush your soul. Because the Pixar movie it is, is up. Interesting you should say that, because honest to God, I don't find Pixar movies to be that gorgeous. Well, Ori looks really, really good. It appears to be a Metroidvania. Um, I I will probably go back and continue playing it, but I got to the fir- I got to the ending of the introduction and went. I need to go have a lie down and feel sad. <laughs> Damn! Should I not play this? Oh no! You should totally play this. You're gonna love it. I need to pick it up soon. <laughs> and so Jeb, what have you been playing lately? I have been buried underground with a bunch of emotionally questionable people of emotion. A uh, bunch of short people. Who sometimes tear their clothes off and run around the chicken coop. Yeah, but in games. I've been playing Dwarf Fortress. (laughs) Sorry, I left that a little long, didn't I? (laughs) That was the setup. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought you were probably expecting it, so I better not disappoint. You've been enjoying your time in the the Dwarf Fortress, I see. It's a good way to spend some time when you just want to sit down and see what goes wrong. And I actually discovered something... Kind of incredible about the most recent uh, version of Dwarf Fortress. Yeah? Uh, in Dwarf Fortress, some dwarves are gay. Some are bisexual. Some are asexual. Mm-hmm. And the game doesn't tell you this. <clears throat> they just are. That's huh. a bit cool. You don't, go into, you don't go into the profile and see Erz McGay Dwarf is gay. <laughs> so, Fancy as no, men. <laughs> nothing like that. It's just uh, I use a third-party program to help keep track of my dwarves and that will tell you it's like oh this dwarf just happens to be asexual there's a third body program <laughs> sorry i i love weird ass indie games catching on like that at the point where someone has made a program to help people play your game 
It's just well, something kind of track, amazing. When you're keeping track of 200 dwarves and... Oh yeah, I'm not saying it's not necessary. I'm not saying it's surprising. It's kind of awesome. It's like, oh, I, I, need, I need to be able to assign... I need someone to go pick herbs, and I can't remember off the top of my head what the other 199 are doing. <laughs> I I like this this notion of the, the background of sexuality in this context, because it makes it into a invisible property the way it is in real life, but it also normalizes it. Like, there there aren't... There are no dwarf fortress hate crimes, I assume. <laughs> oh god, I hope not. Actually, the game is so detailed, there might be. I don't know. But the, the point is... I, I don't think there usually, are. Usually, if, if they're dwarf-on-dwarf crime, then it's more about things like uh, accidentally injuring a cat. Right. A cat? Hey, serious cat, business. Cats are very serious business in Dwarf Fortress. Yeah? They used to destroy computers. Um, if I remember correctly, didn't didn't the carp used to be deadly as well? I don't understand Carps. any of this. Okay, Dwarf Fortress is an accumulation of bugs that has a game <laughs> built around it. The, the, the cat thing is, uh, cats, unlike most, unlike other animals in the game that you can adopt as pets, cats will adopt an owner. Mm-hmm. Which is a very cat-like thing. It's pretty catty. If a cat adopts a dwarf, then, first of all, you can no longer slaughter the cat for food. If anything happens to the cat, <laughs> the dwarf... would you do that anyway, very... you bastard? <laughs> Sometimes hey. you gotta eat. Protein is protein. Dwarf gotta eat. And, uh, well, the, the reason why you'd want to is uh, cats breed very quickly, and that's a lot oh. of entities for your processor to be rendering. Oh, that, sorry, when you said processor, I thought, like, you're just tossing them into a meat grinder, are you? Oh, no, we're that's not nice. Actual, we're talking about the computer running the game. Yeah, I, I got it after a second. It just took me a second. That's the thing about Dwarf Fortress that always stands out to me, that this little text game with none of the graphical grunt of any AAA game is still the thing that's mostly doing the job Crisis used to do of nerds showing off, look at what my computer can handle. (laughs) I get 100 frames per second with working (laughs) minecarts. I've I've made a binary computer made out of dwarves running over a metal plate. (laughs) Why? Why would you do that? Because, damn it, we took Minecraft as a challenge. The answer to everything in Dwarf Fortress is because we can. <laughs> is it the unofficial motto of Dwarf Fortress, losing is fun? That's the official motto of Dwarf Fortress, is losing <laughs> is fun. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Jeb's been playing Dwarf Fortress lately, and this follows after the reasonable and well-rounded decision to delete all of his Steam games, if I remember correctly. Yes? That is absolutely correct. What's going on now? I deleted every single game that I own on Steam. Uh, I assume there's some deeper reasoning behind this. I was frustrated and irritated at a lot of the things and confusion that had been going on around the industry, and I decided I was done with this. Then I took a second and thought, you know, maybe I should just focus on a few simple things. You know, just instead of having this list of a hundred games I'm not going to look at, just find something, play it for a while until I'm done with it, and then maybe find something else. I see. <laughs> One of the problems we have, certainly right now in the games industry and games journalism at large, is this churn, this need <laughs> to constantly be on the latest, the newest, the best. We get an impression in six hours of reading, and then we move on. For most of us, we have opinions on games we've never played and never will play, 
because the impression that we got. And that's fine for these real dilettante experiences. You can go anywhere and you can find that kind of journalism. But if you want to really find someone to bore down on, you know, why do I love this game? Why do I still play this game? What keeps me coming back to these experiences? We don't have a lot of resources talking about things like that. And that's why I'm really excited about what Jeb's doing. I, I, I really appreciate this idea of Jeb's like, well, I want to play Dwarf Fortress, so I'm going to play Dwarf Fortress, and I don't care if everyone else is talking about Mortal Kombat X. <laughs> okay. I don't care if everyone else is talking about the Final Fantasy XV demo and also the B-side <laughs> of its release. Oh, yeah. I guess this is just something I didn't uh, understand, because that's not ever really happened to me. Yeah. I guess because I've never been able to afford to be playing the latest games. Well, you're also a bit of a hoarder. And a bit of a recluse. So, you know, what people are talking about doesn't much concern me. Uh, For context for listeners, sorry, sorry, for the listener, uh, Fox in that sentence referring to a recluse, she means a large spider. Stop that. (laughs) I married a giant spider. Um, My legion of spiders. You're completely mischaracterizing my general shape and consistency there. (laughs) This, This idea of boring down deep on things is part of what I want to do in Downloadable Concept. Like, we've done a whole bunch of different news pieces and the Indicate event, and there's room for that, and we totally can do that. But certainly with our guests that we're planning on having, it's about coming on and talking about a thing you love and just why you love it, why you hate it, what's what about it matters to you, without this implication that this needs to be new to be worth discussing. Because games are really cool, and we have this bad habit of finding reasons to not like the things we like. And, you know, there's only so much that you can say about... the, the There's only so much you can say about... <clears throat> well, I guess the, the current one is Final Fantasy Type-0. <laughs> yep. Um, the Order, 1886... I remember when people were talking about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Funnily enough, we talked about it for longer than the game lasts. Boom! But right there. I haven't played the game. I don't know how long it takes, really. I don't know if my experience of playing it would be different. All all I know is I've heard it's short, and it ends with a QTE battle uh, boss fight that you have partway through the game. Uh, (laughs) That sounds like a badly designed game. Um, On the other hand, consider how uh, how many people do we know who are still playing Minecraft, who are still playing Pokemon. I go back and play the Quest for Glory games again. <laughs> to be fair, they keep remaking Pokemon. That's true. Uh, I was playing Police Quest <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. And really, that was a hate play, but it, you know, that's still a game from 1982. That's a game older than even Jeb. Possibly. January 1982. <laughs> it is, okay. Yeah. I, I double-checked uh, that before. Uh... <laughs> I was going to say, how many people do we know who are still playing Mass Effect 3 multiplayer? Guilty. <laughs> I only just started. Yeah, and... Still not very fond of over-the-shoulder shooting. That yeah. perspective is very weird. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of any good perspective for you for shooter games, though. Because first-person doesn't work, over-the-shoulder doesn't work. Well, over-the-shoulder, you know, forced into a diagonal offset kind of position doesn't work. Just front-on works fine. Yeah. What about Vanquish? Because it's about sliding around on rocket butts. <laughs> I don't is... know what kind of perspective is that counted as. <laughs> Vanquish is so cool. Did you say rocket butts. Rocket butts. <laughs> you drop to the ground. You make a sled it's of your slide. legs, and you slide with a rocket firing out of your butt. <laughs> Except it's done in a very macho, manly way. I've done psych drawing third-person shooting. I quite like that. Like 
that that's cool and stuff. You mean like run and gun games? Yeah, like you know shoot 'em ups. Contra and whatnot. Not specifically Contra, but I think that's the kind of perspective I'm talking about. Yeah, that's the Bro Force is cool. Metroidvania. <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I was really happy to see, for example, Freedom Planet. The way Freedom Planet kind of infected my friends. Yeah. In that. It started when the game launched, and that I had a friend who was a developer, and she grabbed it the second it came out, and she played it, and she loved it. And then another of her friends was like, that looks really great, I'm going to play that. And it just went like a virus through this chain of people. And they all had different reasons for loving it, and some of them played it for longer than others. And that was really sweet. And then, kind of died off. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, it ended when people were done. It I'll have it again when I play it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. It, it didn't end when people got something new to talk about. It didn't end because the release cycle was old. It just ended because people were done playing with it. And that's kind of natural and kind of pleasant. I, I want us to be able to say, yeah, I didn't finish this game, but I'm done playing it, without it being like an admission of defeat or guilt. I'm being very quiet here because you're you know, talking about a lot of stuff that I have complicated feelings about. I understand that. Like, a lot of the time, the have-you-beaten-it attitude towards a game connects to a sort of gatekeepering entitlement. <laughs> Can I rant on the phrase, beat it? Go on! <laughs> I probably should. It just pisses me off when people use that phrase because it implies that they weren't supposed to be able to finish the game. <laughs> you know, that's true of maybe I want to be the guy and a couple of things like that, but... Almost every case where you use the phrase, I beat the game, what you're saying is, I finished the game, I proceeded along the intended trajectory that the game provided for me to finish it with, and now I'm trying to make it sound like I got one over on it somehow. I connected the dots. This weird macho phrasing, like, you know, I defeated that stupid game, it thought it could beat me. Do you remember Doc Destructo ranting about this? I do not. He was saying that people who talk about beating Dark Souls as if that's hard have never done a hard thing in their life. <laughs> you want to do something hard? Do a thing that humans weren't meant to do. Climb a rock. Don't beat a video game that explicitly is designed for you to be able to beat it. Yeah, look, I'm not saying that it's not hard, but the... The, the use of beat, specifically, just always implies to me that it somehow wasn't supposed to be that way. You've done something unexpected that, yeah, well, like you said, like humans weren't meant to do. Which yeah. is, like, by definition, not what video games are for. You are supposed to be able to finish them. I got all the way to the end of this book. Yeah, you don't say, I beat that book. Now, with books... I you beat that dog walk. With, this, with books, though, you open this really interesting thing for me, which is books don't obviously gatekeeper material behind skill thresholds. Uh, uh, do. Um, well, that's yeah, the thing. They, they don't obviously do it. Because if you can read, you usually think, you, you don't even think of that as having overcome that skill threshold of not being able to read. I guess, but if you've ever tried to read a book before you were really old enough to... Um, I tried to read Reaper Man as my first Discworld when I was pretty much too young to start Discworld. And... You know, that, that is definitely a skill threshold of sorts. Yeah, but we don't think of them as being gatekeepered like that. Dara O'Brien does this bit where he says, you know, a book doesn't say... Uh, on, you don't turn the page of a book and it says, all right, what are the central themes of this book and who are the driving characters? And if you can't <laughs> answer, it then goes and shuts. It's true, but if you can't answer it, then you're not getting as rewarding an experience from the rest of the book, which is worth something. Yeah, 
It's not going to ask you the questions, but it sort of is asking you the questions the whole way through. Yeah, uh, <laughs> still get you can still get something. You can still absorb a lot of the narrative yeah. without it. Uh, it's not like having a, a skill barrier and say, uh, "Well, Dark Souls is a handy dandy." It's uh, example. It's not like having a skill barrier that prevents you from advancing, but it is like having a skill barrier that prevents you from getting as much out of it. It enriches the experience. Yeah, you get a worse ending, as it were. Yeah, which is the case with a lot of games. You can ultimately proceed through them no matter what you do. But um, do you know what a you know what a great game that works as a better example for this than Dark Souls? What's that? Of, of the mechanic done well though, Kirby's Epic Yarn. <laughs> because that is the best example of set your own difficulty. Exactly, Kirby's Epic Yarn is designed so that a four year old can, on their very first playthrough probably get through the game. If that's literally their first ever video game, they can probably finish it. If you can understand run and jump... Yeah. Like, you can't die in that game. You don't get punished for losing the pickups, except that you'd get fewer pickups. So if all you want to do is get through a stage, then, yeah, all you have to do is have the basic motor control and the understanding of, you know, go over this by pressing this button. So... That low threshold of difficulty to finish the game compared to the high threshold of difficulty to finish that game <laughs> with a high rank. Yeah, Shrike and I spent quite a long time getting perfect on that game. Yeah, uh, I watched you and Malamba do the same thing. And... I want to add to this, bring back Prince Fluff! <laughs> okay, I'm done now. He's awesome! But I, I really like that because people talk about Dark Souls. Dark Souls is really hard. Okay, no, Dark Souls is really deliberate. Dark Souls has mm-hmm. one set of... It has its it has one pace, and it kind of says you have to stick to this pace and have to be very, very consistent in how you play the game. But it's not like... Until you reach certain bosses and they throw that out the window. Yeah, true. <laughs> it has a definite kind of hard to it. I'm not going to have a go at anyone who says it's hard. I think that calling it hard is a simpler dialogue than we could be having, I guess. Well... Uh, that's the thing about hard. It's a very simple word. It, What it implies exactly is... Well, for starters, it's subjective. What you find hard is not what I find hard. That's I, true. I find first-person games nearly impossible to play. It's not a problem for a massive amount of the, the gamer uh, consumer base. Uh, but that's, almost an accessi- that's almost an accessibility issue, that. Almost. I mean, it, it does cause me a physical sickness response. It's not severe, but it's enough that it turns me off that kind of game. Uh, I, I almost hesitate to call it an accessibility issue because that makes it sound more important than it is. But, you know, ultimately, it is a very minor one of those. Well, I know Jeb has thoughts on accessibility in games as they relate to difficulty. We were going to talk about that, weren't we? At some point, yeah. Should we talk about it now? Do we have enough stuff for this week? Oh, well, I was I was also going to continuing in the vein of the hedgehog discussion. What? Sorry. <laughs> I didn't introduce the phrase. Are um, we going to talk about Sonic again? We're not going to talk about Sonic again. Oh. No, the... The discussion was, you know, the old phrase: "The fox knows many things; the hedgehog knows the hedgehog knows one big thing." Nope. Okay, it's an old Eastern philosophy thing. I, I, I think it's Zhuangzi. I'm not sure. They I'll have, have to go look it up. <laughs> they might. I can't remember now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure hedgehogs are quite a European thing. Yeah, Jeb. But the idea was the difference between a generalist who knew a lot of different things and a single person who had very much focused on it. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Um. When it comes to games like Dwarf Fortress and Minecraft and going back to Skyrim and Armor, these games that people go into as a long-term thing, um, 
even if the games aren't necessarily designed for like an eternal sequence thing, like you know, they're not they're not the games that say, "Oh, you'll be able to play for hundreds of hours." Cuz like Police Quest does not have hundreds of hours of content. It has <laughs> like 3 hours of content. Well, there's uh, eh, well, something made me think of this. Uh, oh, the, the the discussion of uh, the of whether or not the amount of gameplay you got out of a thing in hours was important. Yeah. Uh, which took me back to discussing with CompuFreak the gendering of time investment in games. Yeah. Which I found really interesting, and I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that I have so little patience for games that sell themselves on hours of gameplay these days, because that's not. I mean, that's not what I want out of a game if it's hours over quality anyway. I think that's true for most people. But mm-hmm. also just, it, it's almost a bad thing just to say it will take you longer to finish. Because I don't have that much free time. I, I love playing video games, but I care more about how they look and feel to me in the time that I am playing them. Um, I, don't want, I don't want to sit down and play, I don't want to sit down and sink. 40, 50, 70 hours into a game anymore. I just don't. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I properly completed a JRPG, despite the fact that I quite like them. I mean, you know, I, I still finish my Fire Emblems because... And your Ateliers. They're my thing. Well, that's the thing. I haven't gotten a proper finish on any of the Ateliers I've finished. I've gotten the short ending. And by the way, doesn't and that say everything? And gone back to go, okay, I'm going to get the perfect this time. And then about halfway through, gone, uh, and going through the motions bit in the middle of the game is really fucking annoying. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe I'll do it some other time, and then I've just not gone back to them. It's what keeps happening now. I even stopped in the middle of Suikoden in 2 because I was trying to do a perfect run of it, and I wound up going, ah, it's really exhausting trying to perfect this game. Despite how much I fucking love this game, going for I the perfection with, uh, is just tiresome. That's how I was with Fire Emblem uh, Path Radiance. I've never managed to keep everyone alive in that. Ah. Just because I've never been... Yeah, yeah. The closest I got was uh, I lost one of the last characters you get late in a battle, and you know how long those battles get at the end of the game. Yeah. I was really freaking <sighs> pleased when they brought back Fire Emblem and it was on the handheld again, because a-, a big deal was made of it when Path of Radiance came out, because it was like, oh, it's a return to the home console for Fire Emblem. This is great. It's not just being, you know, relegated to handhelds anymore. But no, that the handhelds are the right place for it. Because it's entirely turn-based, it doesn't require long, consistent stretches of time. You can flip it open and play a few turns on the bus. That's the better way for it to be. Not, well, I, you know, I have to go and boot up my console and sit in the living room and not work on my computer stuff for X long. It's a much better way to do it. Like Pokemon belonging on the handheld. Absolutely. I, I would not want to see that on the home console for the main series. It's not where it belongs. A thing to consider. League of Legends yeah. and Dota. They have a... A reputation, as it were, of having a particularly toxic community. I don't think we're saying anything controversial here. Isn't... I thought one of them had a pretty good reputation because they actually cracked down on mm. on player bullshit. Hey, Jeb, uh, I think Riot's been trying. Riot's been trying. Riot ah, released that okay. uh, Teamwork is OP video where they tried to use statistics to indicate, hey, players, being nice to one another gets you results, which is... One of the most depressing <laughs> things I've seen. That's how I felt watching the the first feminist frequency, the tropes of us as women. Yeah, the first one of those. I'm sitting here going, "This is really bland. This is just like straight up analytical, and it's like this is super basic. This is like baby's first feminism. Like, do, do we really need this? Come on, guys. Oh God, we do. We really <laughs> do. That is so depressing. That is all it was ever meant to be. And- 
Some folks still can't even handle that. Mm. Yeah. League of Legends community has this incredibly intense, high-pressure irritation with one another, and mm. most flare-ups happen within the first seven minutes of a game. Well, they're quite short matches, aren't they? They're about 40 minutes. Oh, okay, that's longer than that's I thought. Good. And this is... Uh, a friend of mine who has studied this and worked within the industry has said to me, the reason these games get people being shitty is because the matches are length X. A small screw-up at the early parts of the game can ruin the whole thing for you. Mm -hmm. And if someone screws up early, that means you are now locked in to losing Uh. over 40 minutes with someone you just learned to hate. Okay, I can see that would breed a lot of contempt. And this is the same thing. It's these packages of time as they interface with other people. I, I mean, it's one thing if they just cost you a match, that's no big deal. But if they cost you a match and the next half an hour... Yesterday playing The Secret World. Y- you know what oh. that's like? That's like losing to a control player in Magic. Yes. <laughs> losing to a control... A control player who's only got like one little 2-2 who's going to go all the way by the end of the match because you just can't get rid of that fucker. There was, there was a player by the name of Nate Heiss who during Invasion Block Constructed had a control deck that literally only had, as a win condition... Ravenous Rats, which are a 1-1. Oh, God. <laughs> which meant that he had to... And he said it was a really nerve-wracking, really tense game. You had to lock the thing down and then do one damage. Yeah, from your side, maybe. It's like, yeah, it must be nerve-wracking. It was boring as hell to beat. Uh, yeah, come on. If you're going to kill someone with weenies, at least have a good grace to dump a massive pile of weenies on them. Yeah, and Wizards of the Coast have said, look, we don't want to do that. Why do you... They were asked, why do you print these enormous, swingy late game flash creatures in blue it's like because by that point you need to win the game pearl lake ancient (laughs) exists for a reason yeah it's there (laughs) so control decks can just win kega the tide star maloku see i i don't i don't know when you started playing but when i started playing the you know what the win condition for for blue white control was stasis millstone ah does that okay (laughs) is this where milling comes from is this a card yes. that makes you, uh, that mills you two for mana tap, one card two mana, turn? Two mana tap, put two tar- two cards in target player's library. Into the two cards a turn. Holy two shit. Two cards a turn. Oh, that is so much worse than a 1-1. One, one. Now, I admit, I have done something like this. In Kamigawa Block Constructed, I had a mono black control deck, which used a card called Death of a Thousand Cuts, which does one Let damage alone. to target player, and you draw, and you gain one life. <laughs> it costs 5 mana and at the beginning of your upkeep if you have more cards in hand than your opponent you get it back from your graveyard uh-huh oh yeah I'm sorry I did that I killed someone over the course of 20 turns with 100 mana it was terrible I never did it again <laughs> this is <laughs> play aggro <laughs> yeah well and this is this is in my opinion a design failing Wizards of the Coast don't like it when matches go to time you saw what yeah. happened during the, the great JSON. Right. He saw what happened at Grand Prix Miami. Mm. I told you about Green White Devotion, right? Oh, uh, watching two players die of old age. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the, 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 the Green White Devotion mirror, and in game one, the life totals were 416 to 375. Holy like balls. That. Death by decking. Yeah, no kidding. No. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. How... Somebody made an infinite combo? Uh, a whole lot of mana with uh, with uh, Talon's favorite uh, Fate and Forge card. I almost said Polychronos. 
Polychronus awesome. Polychronus is involved. So my favorite Fate Reforged card. I've got a lot of favorite Fate Reforged cards, man. Which would... Sabertooth? Oh, of course, the Temo Sabertooth. Oh, God. You bounce, you make a billion mana, you bounce the... Infinite Hydra. Polychr- no, bounce the Polychronos. Oh, wow. Cast it again with all your monstrous, wipe out their board of... Oh, it does damage when it goes creatures. monstrous, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. Oh, I see. And swing for 300. That's... Pass the turn because they're still at 800. By That's the way... ridiculous. It speaks for how stagnant the Sisse Commander deck is that I have a Polychronos in there and he's never been on the table. Never. Like, that's just sad. And I, I love Polychronos so much. He's such a great guy. Guy. <laughs> he, it's a pile of snakes. It's a Hydra talent. It's a... Yeah. <laughs> See, that... The heavy gendering of my magic lingo is one area I have very much not... Uh, not resolved. Yeah. It's, it's something that I picked up when I was younger, and it's, it's so deeply entrenched, it's hard for me to shift it. It's the same <laughs> way that I... Um, when I speak in religious terminology, I tend to have gendered terminology because that's how I was raised with religion. Well, that's how religious phrasing works. So anytime you're trying to quote or sound like you're saying something biblical, it's probably going to be gendered. Um, yeah, but, well, you know, if you ever wonder why when we're talking about the, the ratio of male to female characters in a thing, I tend to count the big smashy creatures as dudes. It's because everyone tends to assume they're dudes. Mm. It's just the environment we're used to. With regards to this sort of deep play, it's a form of abnegation. And some games are better at it than others, but ultimately any game can do this for someone. I was talking with game developer um, SF the Wolf or Aaron the Hedgehog on Twitter recently. Ooh, he's in trouble now. This is gonna be great. <laughs> Come to Twitter in two hours if you want an ass kicking. <laughs> I was talking to her about meditative states in games where. Bullet hell games are conventionally viewed as very stressful, but if you talk to the people who play them, they are often very much not. They get into a a zone, and then it is this movement through the game where you're not even conscious of what you're doing. Um, Hotline Miami, for all of the problems that game has, I've seen people play it just lock into the zone, and it becomes almost like a dance. And play very few games that uh, create that kind of play mode, but um, Muramasa really did that for me uh towards the end the really hard stuff with the mirror matches and everything uh i it's one of those games that there's no possible way i could pick it up again and play like i was when i was playing it because you have to get back to that state to do the really hard stuff yeah and if we constantly indulge in this talk about it fast talk about it now respond to the media respond to the advertising then we're moving on to the next thing world of distractions of games we're kind of reducing the ability to really get games on a deeper level we're making it harder for us to we're making it harder for us to find our fire emblem awakenings and our kentucky route zeros and even our quest for glories for the record fire emblem awakening is not my favorite fire emblem the the point i'm trying to get at here is i think what jeb did is really cool yeah and i think it's better for games in general that we have people doing this sort of thing I want to. I want to actually encourage anyone who has the 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 internet connection to do this. To wipe their Steam library and focus on one game just for until you're done with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, does it count that I only have like three Steam games installed? <laughs> well, you guys are in a different. You, you two are in a different <laughs> situation. Well, yeah, my Steam library is only about twelve games. <laughs> I just mean in general, yeah. with, you know, Australian internet. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, can, that too. Can, yeah, it would take forever to re-download you know, it, them. For me to download a hundred gigs worth of 
a hundred games <laughs> on Australian internet. That's true. That's a really good point. I don't want to think about that. In fact, I have a humble Android bundle that I'm really interested in playing, and I still haven't downloaded any of it because they're all unusually large for mobile games. Like, I'll get them when I have the time. Uh... The very first thing I did after I deleted my uh, Steam library, I found through a through a, a reference to through a blog that linked to mine, I found an advert game by Bjorn Borg's clothing line. <laughs> hey. Called first. This is amazing. Called first person lover. <laughs> it's a game where you throw smooches at people to take their boring clothes off. <laughs> do, do you replace them with fashionable, exciting clothes, or do you just denude them? A- after you have removed their boring clothes, they stand there covered up. They, they cover themselves up, and they're pixely blurred <laughs> out. And then you give them. You, you liberate them from their, their boring, from their hatred by giving them Bjorn Borg clothes. Right. And they start partying and dancing. It's, and there's <laughs> rainbows and bubbles and hearts everywhere. <laughs> yeah. This is one step removed from being first person makeover. <laughs> and, and it's free. <laughs> it, like, let's be honest, it would have to be. <laughs> Play our ad for 40 hey, minutes and get a first, liberation stat. The, the first, the first, level i smooched three dudes and a lady and then i destroyed two hate machines <laughs> Quite frankly, game of the year i am in favor of anything game. that lets you destroy hate machines yeah that sounds like a pretty good game all told yep the point is find something you can love deeply and when you're done with it you can just be done with it <laughs> that's kind of bleak when you put it that way <laughs> I think what you're really saying is you shouldn't have to feel guilty for anything you like or don't like or decide to put down. You don't need a reason. That reminds me, I that reminds me, I hate that fucking hate the phrase guilty pleasure. <laughs> yes, yes, I will second that absolutely. If it makes you happy, unless it's like disgusting, gross person behavior or something illegal or something, then you probably should not have to feel bad about it ever. I was raised by Puritans; they're all guilty pleasures. <laughs> Uh, yes, that's probably why I hate the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for Retro Gaming News. All the news that's fit to print for the week ending March 21st, 2014. Brought to you by Cotvales. We told you there'd be Cotvales. I had to make an executive decision with this week's Retro Gaming News in that I either was going to grab all the games that came out during this week period. Yeah. Or I was going to pare that down to just the ones there was a chance you'd recognize. Because <sighs> this was an amazing week. For ports and phone games that move to the PC. What do you mean it's no fun just listening to us meander around going, never heard of it, move on. <laughs> Basically, if we couldn't have worked out Deus... Unless it's funny. <laughs> Unless it's fun. We'll do it and I'll just say, it loom! For everyone. Also, for anyone really interested in the retro gaming stuff, Lee Alexander just put together a lo-fi let's play of Loom. So if you Ooh. like that chill-out style of Lee Alexander's Let's Plays, that really relaxing narrative thing she does, she's doing Loom. There'll be a link in the... There will be a link in the description. Also, you should probably just play Loom if you haven't already. Fox is adjusting her button there. Anyway. <laughs> the, point is, the point is that we, can't, we couldn't exactly make a segment out of watching these two knuckleheads failing to guess <laughs> Deus Ex The Fall, the tablet game. We're just going to boil it down to three games... Two of which are coincidentally related to recent news. So let's start with the one that isn't. It's a Ubisoft game, not made by Ubisoft. 
It's an open... So it's, it's an open world game. There's climbing towers. There's climbing in general. It's Ubisoft game. <laughs> There's... Is it Saints Row 4? You are... You are remarkably close in that it does have superpowers. Did Dishonored? No. Not nah. first person. Third oh. person game. Of course. Ubisoft game is not first person. What yeah. am I thinking? What am I thinking? <laughs> Technical difficulties? Please stand by. Um... <laughs> Nefox has imploded. It is part of a dueling games. Is it Infamous Second Son? Is it the other one? No, no, Jeb got it. Oh! Jeb got it. Well done. Yay! Yeah. Yay. Yep, Infamous Second Son, which has a standalone... First Light is much more entertaining. Exactly. Uh, the, The biggest problem I have with Infamous Second Son is that because the writing wants to try and accommodate both varieties of protagonist... Is he a super virtuous dude or is he a dick? Um, it does wind Both up... Both varieties of protagonist. There is no middle ground. Well, that's the thing. It's a binary character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the morality system. Yeah, so, it, so it means that the protagonist for, for Infamous Second Son... <laughs> Ask me about game morality systems. Yeah. First Light has you playing as a neon-powered punk lady. And she's really rad and it looks amazingly good. Yeah. All right then. So, now we have... Two games related to recent game release announcements. They are both militarized in some way. Their militarized elements were controversial. The first one of these two games has a very lo-fi visual aesthetic. Mercenary Kings? Lufthansa! Hey! <laughs> I wasn't expecting that to be right. Rouse, rouse, rouse. Do you like to rouse? Ah, you thought loose involved. But yeah, uh, Lufthansa came out this week. Um, along with the other game in this pair, which is possibly not a game. Possibly not a game. In that there were people arguing that it isn't a game because there's not enough of it. Battlefield 4? No, not Battlefield 4. Uh, are we just doing Lufthrausers again? It's not Lufthrausers again. Well, Lufthrausers has plenty of content. You can play Lufthrausers for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as content exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a game and I don't want to insult Lufthrausers at all. But, oh, uh, Ground Zeroes. There we go. Metal Gear Solid Five. Oh. I was in the process of guessing PT, but no, that was later. Yep. Oh, right. Metal Gear, yeah. If you just said like, Exploding yeah, Womb, I would have gotten it. <laughs> yeah, if I just said Exploding Womb. <sighs> yeah, okay, let's move on. Yeah, and that's why I, it has... The, the releases of um, Luftrausers have been in the news lately because of Hotline Miami 2 and Metal Gear Solid Five. uh in the news lately because Kojima is apparently leaving Konami and people are acting like Yay. that's a bad thing. <laughs> Wasn't he like sick of doing Metal Gear like four games ago? I seem he to remember something that. about, no, I don't want to bring back Snake. Stop bothering me. Uh, he said that Metal Gear Solid 2 was his last one and he said that Metal Gear Solid 3 was his last one and Metal Gear Solid 4 was definitely the last one. <laughs> I don't want to keep stealing Doc's jokes, but... Could, can, can you imagine the last day at work? Kojima stands in the doorway. Goodbye! Three-hour speech ensues. He opens the door. Someone's on the other side of the door. I just said goodbye. Four-hour unskippable speech ensues. There's <laughs> a save point in the middle of the speech. Yeah. <laughs> so another next Metal Gear game is just going to be a dating sim starring Raiden? It's going to be Revengeance 2. I would totally play the fuck out of a dating sim with Raiden. <laughs> Me too, actually. On sheer novelty. I shouldn't I make fun of that. I love it. Cyborg Ninja Samurai Boy. No, I meant the pre-cyborg one that everyone hated because 
a bunch of nerds are going to be pissed off. Uh, he's a cyborg ninja dad. Yeah, yeah. All right. I want the ride and dad life simulator. There's going to be a, sorry, there is currently a PlayStation Network, big bugger off sale, and Steam are doing a uh, 2K every one of their things sale. Oh, yeah, non-American listeners don't get too excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry. We're, very, we're very sorry to those. We, we know we have a Finnish listener, and we're very sorry. There are lots of games in this PSN sale. There are lots of games in this 2K sale. We're not going to talk about all of them. We're just going to take a moment to quickly jot down some that you should definitely, definitely go check out. And why? (laughs) Well, the why for the PlayStation sale is quite easy. It is because they are all like 80 to 90 cents. Yeah. So if you've ever been like, oh, you know, maybe I'd play Wild Arms at some point. Yeah, well, it's less than a dollar, so... Probably God, worth finding depressing. out. <laughs> God, this is depressing. Yeah? What's that, the list? Well, uh, Sony really doesn't like taking money from me. Oh, no. So they, they... make it so difficult, so yeah? I miss this. <laughs> oh, that is awkward. <laughs> Can you buy PSN cards for other people? Is that a thing? I have no idea. Hmm. I should look into this. Uh, I know, I mean, in order to get funds onto my account, I have to buy credit card. I have to buy PSN credit cards from amazon which does work out okay like it it, the process works so real quickly breath of fire 4 it's a breath of fire game it's reasonably pretty for a playstation 2 era jrpg it's 99 cents for a playstation 2 era jrpg they looked great in the playstation 2 era yeah gravity rush which for a while there was a friend entire reason for owning a ps vita (laughs) apparently if you have a vita you need that game Oh, well, the, when Lim- I assume that would also apply if you own a PlayStation TV as well. I believe it does. The The joke that he made when Assassin's Creed Liberation came out was, you could buy it, but you'd have to buy a Vita. And then you'd have a Vita, and after you'd played Gravity Rush, you'd look at yourself and say, <laughs> why do I have a Vita? Uh, Katamari Damacy. <laughs> that is something everyone should play. I have never played a Katamari game. We've got to get you a Katamari game. Definitely. I, I don't know if that would be the best one, so that's the original, right? And the it did get a little bit polished over the years, but the basic, you know, the joy of playing the game is the stupidity and the absurdity. Um, so probably that would work just as well. Uh, the Mega Mans. Uh, Mega Man X4 and Mega Man X5, they're both 96 cents. <laughs> Mist is 84 cents. <laughs> it's freaking Mist. <laughs> We've oh, that's right. It had a it had a Vita, Vita port. Yeah, for PSP and Vita. Yeah. Uh, Nobby Nobby Boy is ninety five cents. If you're into Did that, you that kind is of... Nobby Nobby. Nobby Nobby. However you want. I always to. read it as Nobby Nobby. Yeah. Well, without the second B, it it just doesn't look like Nobby in my mind. Ah. Rock of Ages, a wonderful Peruvian game. Ooh, I gotta have that. I want that. <laughs> T- tell everyone why you want that game. It, it, I'm remembering correctly, right? It's the game where you roll a giant boulder down the hill to smash a thing. Yes. Yeah, of course I want that. Through a vast array of art and almost Monty Python-like cutouts of various artistic <laughs> figures doing silly things. Yeah. So it's a silly physics-based sort of thing. Yeah. It's a it's a first. You know what else is a silly? You know what else is a silly physics-based sort of thing? <laughs> Half Life. Yes, Jeb. Bad rats. <laughs> I, you, you know, it was you had to listen because you didn't know if he was going to play it straight that time yeah, or not. Yeah, you have to brace for it. You, <laughs> and, and sometimes he'll switch it up on you. It's, it, uh, 
Now he's gotten us to the point where we can't just cut him off because we need to know. Yeah. Is he actually going to say bad rats this time? Will it be bad rats or will it not? Which is itself a question of bad rats' own mechanics. <laughs> God. I am a com- comedic genius. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've heard that the siphon filter games are good. I don't know. I know nothing about those. I enjoyed them way back in the day. Well, would you... They're kind of cheesy, kind of cheesy stealth action. Uh, Very cheesy stealth action from the PS1 era. I would recommend them if they're, you know, they're what, 89 cents? 96 cents. 96 cents? Well, I don't know. That extra... extra... (laughs) (laughs) Alright, and this I cannot directly attest to, because it's saying that it's a PS3 release of this game, so I don't think it's a direct port. It might be an updated EA-ified horror version. But apparently you can get Theme Park on the PSN for Ooh. 96 cents. You certainly can. Theme Park is I have good. it. I have it already. <laughs> I I spent quite a bit of time with Theme Park when the cheat code uh, shamelessly turned on, of course. Of course. It's the it's it's the PlayStation version, so it's kind of clunky to control, but that's still it's still theme park. It's not You're like if they were selling Dungeon Keeper, we'd go, no, 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 stay away. You don't want the mobile version of Dungeon Keeper. That being said, uh, the PlayStation 2 version of theme park was better for console versions. Interesting. That was one of the first PlayStation 2 games I ever had. Oh, well, that's hmm. pretty cool. What was it, Tokyo Jungle? Yep. Tokyo Jungle, yes. So, first things first, as much as I want to just recommend Tokyo Jungle <laughs> as being cool, as a warning... It is a game where animals attack animals, and the violence is fairly realistic, if that's yeah, look, upsetting. I, I I think the idea is kind of hilarious. I'm not going to buy it, because I can't handle watching animals beat each other up like that. Yeah, um, but if you're okay with that, it is a game where you can play a Pomeranian dog and parkour your way through the jungles, through <laughs> yeah, the urban that's landscape. That's the other side of it. Yeah. I wish I could enjoy that. But you will occasionally see a rhino headbutt a cheetah to death, and it's really, it can be very upsetting. Yeah. But it's a really cool game idea. Um, the premise is, humanity just vanishes from Tokyo. So all the animals from the zoos break free and eventually become the population of Tokyo. So it's kind of this post-apocalyptic survival sim coupled with running around and playing a cute <laughs> dog or a bunny or a cheetah or a rhino. And yes, those do sound very unbalanced. <laughs> they yeah, certainly quite, do. Quite deliberately unbalanced. Yeah, I think in a world without humans, a rhino is a very unbalanced thing. <laughs> Please nerf Blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> also, Wild Arms. Yes, yeah, that is a My very... My fiancé is a big fan of Wild Arms. Very well-regarded JRPG series. Almost certainly worth it all. Basically, it's a JRPG, but you know how most JRPGs have that sort of mage punk, steampunk, post-apocalyptic thing going on? Wild Arms this went for a spaghetti Western. spaghetti Western punk. Yeah. They pretty much have fantasy played straight, except also there's robots. Yeah. It's like not even worth calling mage punk in most cases. But in Wild Arms, it's a Western. And if I remember correctly, there's has a point. wonderful music. And finally, from the PSN sale, Zuma. Fox, you've played oh. a lot of Zuma. <laughs> yes, that, oh, that was back before PopCap were, you know, eaten by the many-headed snake of... Uh, Electronic Arts. Disgusting, gross casual game companies. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, uh, it's, I think it's the original example of something that's been cloned 15 bajillion times by now. Is that the one with the little marbles and a spiral? Yeah, just uh, there's a big long line of marbles and you have to shoot marbles into that line to make three in a row and 
then they vanish and but yeah. crucially mostly yeah the most fun thing about it is that it's got a little frog which is actually your character it's like an idol a stone idol of a frog i think zuma you play a giant stone frog <laughs> who rivets all the way through whenever other characters talk to it yeah and uh on the second playthrough you actually get the frog's dialogue <laughs> which is quite just excellent fun yeah, the first time around, you have someone go, Ah, Stone Idol, I see you have brought to us the Sunbringer in the days of the next coming. And the frog's response is just, Ribbit. Ribbit. <laughs> and the second playthrough, you find the, the frog... Last check, the frog's really sarcastic? I can't recall for sure, but I seem to recall that the, the frog is quite snarky and, and fourth wall breaking. Yeah. So, if you want to play a, a puzzle-matching color kind of casual game without microtransactions and with an actual win state... Zuma is 95 cents. And, you know, just because it's the actual, like, real version of the game and not a bullshit knockoff made by someone who just wanted to get some ad revenue from the Android store, um, you should probably pay a buck for it rather than downloading any free versions that are available. Just on principle. It's a buck! It's a freaking buck. Though it might not be fun to play on the PlayStation, I don't know what the controls would be like without a mouse. It's hard to imagine. I haven't tried it. That actually might be even easier, though. It might be. It could go either way. I'd be curious to find out. I would hate to play it with a Wiimote. I'm just imagining trying to place shit that finely on the screen with a Wiimote. And I am very bad at, at uh, holding that thing still on a screen. I don't know if this affects most people, but that's how it is for me. So, I think it's on the 3DS store, too. You can play it with stylus. Oh. That is probably the best control system I could imagine for it. Depending on how they implement it. I... Oh, there's something on the 3DS store. I think it's on, the on sale on the 3DS. I, I think it's on sale on the 3DS store right now, too. Uh, 2K Games are doing a 10th anniversary publisher sale. Not going to run through their whole catalog, but there are two or three real quick little things to point out. Um, XCOM Enemy Unknown is on sale for $8.49. All right. And, what about Enemy Within? And uh, it doesn't come with, that doesn't come with Enemy Within. Um, but XCOM Enemy Unknown and the Bureau comes for $8.49. So it is literally no price difference to get the Bureau <laughs> with XCOM if you want one. And I really do recommend, give the Bureau a try. It's at least interesting. <laughs> it's not an excellent game, but it's definitely not the kind of game where you'd say it's free, that's too much to pay. Yeah. Bioshock Infinite is $10. Please don't buy Bioshock Infinite, even for $10. <laughs> spend that spend that money and buy XCOM Enemy Unknown for a friend. Or... Even if you want something that feels like Bioshock, buy Bioshock 2. <laughs> Bioshock 2 is probably a better game than Bioshock Infinite. <sighs> you could not spend the $10 on Bioshock Infinite, go and download free ebooks from Talon's site, and then you'd have free ebooks and $10. <laughs> Smart move. Uh, XCOM Enemy Within is $16, so it's holding its price well. Um, Civilization 5 is currently on sale. For twenty bucks, and if you're the kind, is that the complete edition? Yeah, that's the complete edition. That's all. That's worth it. That's the that's the hundred fifty plus hour monster time consumer. Fall into it and enjoy yourself, kind of game. With the the expansion packs that make it good. And finally, Spec Ops: The Line, which chances <laughs> are you already know how you feel about Spec Ops: The Line. It's the heart of darkness as a video game. It's interesting. Play it if you want that experience. It's $6 right now. The people behind it have definitely made their money. Comes highly recommended by me. Yeah. <laughs> highly recommended by just about everyone who's not salty at it for for daring to comment on a popular game genre. Actually, in fact, come to think of it, I have classmates 
buy Spec Ops the line <laughs> because the teacher's going to mention it. <laughs> we we wound up referencing a passage from Killing is Harmless in class. Yeah, we're totally going to talk about Spec Ops the line. Yep. <laughs> that's it for episode 10 of the Download Concept Podcast. Till next time, that's been Fox. That's been Talon. And that's been Jeb. Stay tuned next week when Fox will remember to have a joke in the intro. Fuck. We're cynical adults, and there are a surprising number of teens listening to this. Really? Oh, yeah, all my friends are teens, apparently. Even the ones who are over 25. He's the unofficial teen dad, Talon. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) This makes you some kind of, like, cool uncle, doesn't it? I hope so. This is weird. I really hope it doesn't make me the weird one. I am cool uncle. Yeah, actually, yeah. Jeb is the part-time Aquaman, full-time cool uncle. (laughs) Well, if Jeb is the cool uncle, then clearly you're the big brother at best. Anyway. There's no way you're the dad if Jed's the uncle. (laughs) Anyway...